following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Hello and welcome. Thanks for tuning in this week. It's great to have you with us. If you've been tuning in to the Working on Purpose show, then you know this is all about showcasing guests who are meaningfully and personally connected to their work, as is the case this week with Derek Smith, or in last week's case, bringing in authors who have an informative perspective on the topic. Either way, I hope you gain a new perspective about what your work can be, and maybe even get a shot of inspiration to help you actually get there. So for those of you who did tune in last week, you got to hear from Sherry Elliott-Yuri, who gave us her perspective on Crossroads what they can mean to us, and how we can navigate through them. It was actually a a really wonderful and very real conversation, as Sherry also shared several of her own personal crossroads that she got through over the last few years and imparted her wisdom. I heard from several listeners who said they enjoyed the show and the wisdom that she shared. Uh, One listener actually even found her office phone number to get her business address and sent her flowers for sharing. I think that's pretty lovely. So I really appreciate you listeners who do tune into the show. And I always get some, getting your emails is always great for for my heart and my soul. So thank you for that. So this week, we have Derek Smith with me. He is the VP of Operations at the YMCA at Metropolitan Fort Worth, and he's going to talk with us about his connection to his work and why he finds it meaningful. So a bit about Mr. Smith here. I figured it out, Derek, and I counted up the years, and I think we've known each other for about eight years now. We go back to that amazing second year in 2008 that I got to chair the fundraising event called Walk, Wagon, Run. Remember that? As a, Lakewood, as a Lakewood Service League member, those good years. And I called on you just maybe to see if just maybe the YMCA might want to be a beneficiary of some of those proceeds from that event and maybe partner with us to help us understand just how to pull it off. And you said yes. And I guess that's where we say the rest of it is just history, right? Absolutely. (laughs) So, and also, uh, one of the things that connects us is I had the privilege of serving as one of your board members at the YMCA White Rock, which is on the Dallas side. And then I think it was probably you who had a hand in helping me get nominated as the board chair. So thanks for that, Derek. I'll get even later. (laughs) So thanks for joining us, Derek Smith. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I got about 368 questions for you. Are you ready? Uh, (laughs) Fire away. (laughs) Well, first things first, introduce yourself, if you would. Say a bit about your current role and what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis. 
Yeah, well, as you said, I'm Derek Smith. I'm a vice president of operations with the YMCA Metropolitan Fort Worth. Um, I spent a little over two decades in the Dallas Y uh, system at a number of uh, YMCA branches there. I've been in Fort Worth just a couple of years. And, um, you know, my role here is to do a number of things. Uh, one of those is to uh, help support and guide and equip other executive directors and uh, professional YMCA staff and in their careers and the work that they're doing in their communities. Uh, I also do a fair amount of fundraising, uh, about a half million dollars uh, this year that we've race in our annual campaigns. Um, I get to do some volunteer development work with a board of management here uh, at my Y and then the boards at the the Ys that I supervise, Um, and then some community development work as well. So uh, yeah, kind of a nice mix of uh, activities and responsibilities. So we're going to drill down to some of those things as we go through this conversation, because there's a lot in there that I know that you're connected to in your work, and I do think that we want to hear more about that and just kind of why they're important to you, how you're connected to them. But first things first, got to get the story. How did you start your your career at the Y? Tell us that story. I know it, but the listeners don't. Yeah, you know, for me, I actually it was uh, it was long before I was working. Um, my my first uh, experience with the Y was as a as a kid at my local neighborhood Y, and you know, I participated in a variety of programs uh, with my family, uh, uh, most specifically my father um, as a child at my uh, at my local Y, including uh, what used to be the old Indian Guides program, but also uh, t-ball and basketball and a few other programs. And the Y always felt like a just a, a very comfortable, safe, nurturing environment. Um, as I got a bit older. And, uh, you know, as, as we get into our kind of formative and teenage years, I think sometimes we're looking for places to fit in. And for whatever reason, the Y always felt that way to me. So I'd go there, uh, you know, after school or on the weekends. And uh, I always thought that the adults that worked there were kind of the uh, quote-unquote cool adults. Uh, it was, a, again, they, they accept, accepted me and uh, enjoyed having me there. And so uh, the Y became a part of my life uh, pretty early. Um, <clears throat> I worked there briefly in high school, then left for a few years as I got into college. Uh, went back over Christmas break uh, one year, uh, my sophomore year in college. I was asked to help uh, coach and officiate a basketball clinic for second and third grade kids. Uh, that was December of 1991, and I never left. Um, I didn't know that the Y would be a career, but uh, I continued to get opportunities for growth and uh, continued to find opportunities for service. And, um, you know, fast forward uh, what is now a little over 23 years, and here I am. <laughs> so succinct, Derek. Now, I have two follow-on questions for that. First, mm-hmm. what was that high school job you did for the Y? Well, you know, the Y was a different organization back then. So as a high school kid, 15 and, and uh, 16 years old, I had keys to the facility. So I would actually open and close the facility. Uh, we don't quite run our operations uh, that way these days where uh, kids, uh, you know, have, have keys to the building. But um, uh, I was working, uh, you know, again, as an opener and a closer for the building um, uh, and, and kind of working the front desk. So kind of customer service kind of activities. I'm sorry. One more follow-on question I fibbed. What, did you do any other kind of jobs when you were a kid, like other, other small jobs, or was that truly the first real job that you had? Oh, no, I did some of the things that I think a lot of kids do. I, you know, I had a paper route, and I bagged groceries and did some of those other things. I think uh, uh, the Y was uh, the first job that, um, that felt like a good fit to me. I think the others just felt like jobs. And, uh, you know, again, I think we all, we all do those things as kids with, uh, you know, paper routes and bagging groceries and, again, those sorts of things. But um, uh, So, no, a variety of jobs, but the Y was the first meaningful job. 
Mm-hmm. I have to tell just, I'm sorry, just really quick. I love the idea of a paper route. I also had that for one summer very briefly when mm-hmm. I think I was probably 14 years old or so, maybe maybe 13 years old. And it ended when I got bitten by a dog, not once but twice. And it, that wasn't the part that ended it for me. It was when my dad um, went on the route with me to get even with the second dog and beamed a newspaper at the dog and the, the oh. owner complained. Right. <clears throat> that was the end of my, my paper route. <laughs> so thanks for that memory, Derek. Sure. Um, the, the second other follow-on question I wanted to ask, I thought I remember you saying at one point that when you were in college and you had left you know, that first job at the YMCA, that you were not intending on pursuing a career with the YMCA. What were you thinking about doing back then? Well, I was a high school and college athlete, and I think for uh, for a lot of us that uh, play sports in uh, in high school and college, you always believe that you will go back and teach and coach, and uh, and I was headed down that road as well. I, I started, uh, I think, like a lot of us, uh, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do when I when I grew up, but uh, the idea of working with kids and uh, and coaching sports, specifically basketball, uh, those things were appealing to me, and so I I had the opportunity to do some of that through the Y, uh, but didn't expect it to be in the Y. I really thought I'd be a, a middle school or a high school coach. Mm-hmm. Any regrets? No, not a one. Not cool. a one. Cool. Well, since I know this, because I've, I've been on the board now for the last, I guess, oh, more than five years now already, maybe six years, one of the things that I have recognized serving in that capacity is that a lot of people really don't know what the YMCA is and what it's about. So describe for us, what is the mission of the YMCA? Well, the mission of the Y is to put Christian principles into practice through programs that build healthy spirit, mind, and body for all. And, uh, you know, really what that means for us is uh, we are about service to others. And uh, I think, um, at least you're not the only one that didn't quite understand what the Y was uh, when you got connected. I, I think uh, globally, uh, the Y um, over the past few years has done a better job of messaging who we are and what we do. But I think for many, uh, people have seen the YMCA as a swim and gym. It's, it's really a place where folks go to exercise or folks go to participate in activities, but they don't understand the, the reach uh, and the scope of the activities uh, that we have here. So I think we've gotten a little better about how we uh, communicate about what we do and who we are, but uh, you were certainly not the only one that was a little bit unclear on that. We also have found that um, some people know the why uh, just based on what their experience has been. So we have lots of folks who will say, well, you know, I learned, to, I learned to swim at the Y, so they believe the Y is an aquatic center, or I played sports at the Y, so they believe we're a sports organization. Um, and we're all of that and more, uh, quite honestly. So, um, but again, I, you know, I think getting back to the mission statement, the, the part that really uh, jazzes me, if you will, is the idea that we're for all. So we find ways to serve. And uh, people that live in underserved populations, uh, people that uh, you know, just need a little bit of uh, motivation and encouragement, uh, we find ways to serve those folks. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, Dirk, that was one of the things that definitely kept me going as a board member for the YMCA. I loved also that the, the rising tide concept of the Y, the idea of how it reaches into the community and really tries to help those families connect with the YMCA through its programming, even if they can't afford it, and really bring them up. And that's one of the things I have to say that I loved and still love the most about the YMCA. Yeah. Well, we're, pr- we're proud of the work that we do, and I think the, the opportunity to help those that uh, maybe need a, a bit of a, a hand up, if you will, um, you know, to, to get back on the road to wellness or to get their kids in a child care program or, you know, to learn to swim, sort of the safe around the water. Um, you know, we're, we're excited to be able to say yes to those folks when they need us. Mm-hmm. You know, just to maybe give us a bridge back to the history of the YMCA, one of the things that I found interesting is I talk about my experience serving as a board member and then the chairman of the board of the YMCA, people say, do you mean the YWCA? Are you talking about the YWCA? And I say, no, 
I have been part of the YMCA. Can you talk a little bit about the history of the YMCA, where it came from, and you know that gender piece of it that people seem to situate? Yeah, well, without uh, hopefully boring uh, uh, you or your listeners with uh, with a lot of the details, because I could talk about this stuff all day, I'll, I'll at least give some of the highlights. Um, you know, the Y was founded in 1844 in, uh, in London, England, and uh, at the time, uh, it was during the Industrial Revolution, and it was really uh, founded as a Bible study uh, for young men that just kind of needed to find their way, that had found themselves getting a little bit of trouble or maybe found uh, their attention uh, turning to places that were something less than healthy. And so really started as a Bible study, just a way for folks to fellowship. Um, we have evolved uh, quite a bit over the years, and um, and as the needs of our communities have uh, changed, uh, we've changed with it. So uh, you think about uh, one of the um, kind of signature programs that the Y does now um, is child care. Well, you know, the Y hasn't always done child care, uh, but when we saw that uh, the women were going back to work uh, and and uh, there was a need for child care for the first time ever, and this was, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, well, the Y, the y saw a need there, and so we began to offer school-age child care which is now one of our largest program areas. Um, so again, we continue to, to change and evolve as, as uh, society kind of dictates uh, and our communities dictate what it is that they need from us. Uh, as far as the YWCA is concerned, uh, we have a relationship with the YWCA and, and actually uh, just here across the street from the building where I office uh, is the YWCA and we've got a, a nice healthy relationship with them, but we are two different organizations and so uh, no real connection to speak of other than the fact that uh, we will partner and collaborate uh, occasionally on uh, on community projects, etc. But uh, but no, no real connection between the two beyond that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I noticed as my as I was involved in the YMCA was that both the board and the staff makeup seems to have a a fairly even, maybe not entirely even, mix between men and women. But can you speak to that? Yeah, and certainly that was not always the case. I mean, we were an organization for men. Um, and uh, and quite honestly, we were an organization for uh, for Caucasian men, you know, for a long time. And unfortunately, uh, the Y has always been a a forward thinking organization. So it was fairly uh, fairly early on that we uh, you know began to embrace uh, other races and uh, and then uh, also you know other gender uh, as as we got to uh, the point that we were serving women as well. And so if you were to look uh, now at the uh, staffing makeup of uh, any YMCA, uh, you know, it'd be fifty fifty or better. And quite honestly, in many cases, it's probably more women than men. Uh, and the same is true of our um, uh, of our membership base and our program base. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I, I definitely wanted to talk about with regard to people questioning me. Are you sure you don't mean that you've been talking about the YWCA all this time? And no, 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 it's the YMCA. Really, I'm sure of it. <laughs> um, and I have to say, one of the things I also remember about learning about the YMCA's past is that, tell me, you correct me if I'm wrong about this, the YMCA invented basketball, is that right? That's correct, and and a few other sports as well. But uh, basketball is the one that we're uh, that we're known for. James Naismith, uh, who was a physical director at uh, the YMCA in Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, was given the charge from his uh, from his boss to find a a new sport uh, to keep uh, at the time men active, and so uh, he created basketball in, in 1891. And uh, you know, it always comes up this time of year with uh, with college basketball just wrapping up and and March Madness about to start. Uh, typically, the YMCA will get a little publicity out of that as well as uh, as we kind of celebrate what the sport has become but uh, yeah was founded at a YMCA 1891 mm-hmm. one of the many things that I remember as I was going through that process and here's what's interesting to me about that Derek Smith is that one of your passions of course is basketball and I don't know how much you were connecting to the YMCA because of the basketball piece I don't know can you talk about that 
Well, you know, I think uh, my first basketball team was at the Y, and um, you know, I, at least you know, clearly we have met. Uh, we're, we're old friends, and so you know that I'm I'm a guy that is uh, maybe above average in height. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And so uh, I knew early on that uh, that I was going to play sports. I was I was loved sports and athletics, and uh, and basketball seemed to be a natural fit for me. And so um, yeah, I began to play uh, basketball at, uh, at my local Y, and I think it was uh, it was uh, a meaningful experience for me in a couple of ways. I think one is I just had a love for the game. And so to play, um, you know, there at, at, uh, at our local Y was, a, was a nice thing. Uh, my father was the coach. Uh, and so when I think about the relationship I had with my dad, um, many of those memories are in the gym and, uh, you know, with him on the sideline and, and coaching my team. I think I also learned, you know, a lot about, um, just neighborhoods and kids and diversity uh, through my time playing basketball on the Y. I remember that uh, we, our Y was in North Dallas, but we would play against uh, teams from South Dallas. And, and, you know, that was the first time uh, in many cases that I'd ever been on the court with somebody that looked differently than me. And so uh, to, to have the kind of the best team from one area play the best team from another area, there's a lot of life lessons learned there. And at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of kids that just want to play basketball. And, uh, and so I think early on, uh, you know, I really learned a lot about uh, – who I wanted to be, and and um, uh, just the um, the value and uh, and the diversity that the YMCA celebrates. You know, I, I learned that at an early age. So uh, some of it was about basketball and just the sport itself, but I think some of it was uh, much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one of the things that you've talked about over the years is just how important it is to be in a richly diverse community because you find that well enriching, and and certainly you're learning from that. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Um, what, what I also remember, what I'm also picking up on this time, though, when you talk, though, is that connection with your dad being a basketball coach. I knew that, but I wonder how much of that also wove into your your personal connection to your why experience. Do you think? Yeah, I, I remember a moment, and, and I don't know, at least that, that I've ever told you the story, but I remember a moment uh, um, several years into my Y career, I was I was running uh, what uh, at that point was called the Adventure Guides Program at uh, at one of our uh, YMCA's, and and was serving thousands of dads and kids through this Adventure Guides Program, and we were on a campout weekend, and it was uh, it was the last uh, campout for one of our uh, lead volunteers who had done really good work with us for a number of years, and uh, we had the big bonfire. And, and uh, you know, and, and all that comes with that, and um, and in that moment, kind of after the fire, I was there by myself, reflecting a little bit, and, and got a bit emotional as I kind of thought how how things had had come full circle. Because in that moment, I was I was in kind of a bonfire area where uh, where I had been with my dad about uh, 25 years prior, and uh, you know, and I, I lost my dad many years ago. Uh, he passed away in the late 90s, but um, things had come full circle for me, and and I think you know, I don't always know that I that I connected uh, my desire to work for the Y or the fulfillment that I find in working uh, for the Y with those memories of my father, but uh, there's certainly something there. It- whether it be through the programming we did with Adventure Guides, or uh, or even you know my basketball uh, experience at the Y, coaching and and uh, supervising sports directors and all that kind of thing, yeah, I, I think there's certainly a connection there to to my memories as a kid. Okay, well, I wondered about that. I want to hear more about that. Right now, it's time for a quick break. Uh, we've been on the air with Derek Smith, VP of Operations at the YMCA of Metropolitan Fort Worth here in Texas. If you want to learn more about the YMCA and its programming, visit www.ymcafw.org. 
We welcome your calls at 1-888-346-9141. You can also send me an email at elise at elisecortez.com. Stay tuned. After the break, we're going to hear more from Derek Smith about what it is that he actually finds meaningful about his work. Stay tuned. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. We're here with Derek Smith, VP of Operations at the YMCA of Metropolitan Fort Worth here in Texas. We're going to pick up where we left off, which is where I was just about to grill him to tell us all the things that he finds meaningful about his work. Um, And to get us started, Derek, I know there's at least a couple things here that you and I have talked about over the years that you find meaningful. One is making the difference in the lives of kids in your community, and the other one is working with volunteers. So maybe let's start with those first. I want to be able to understand what it is that you find meaningful about those activities, why they're important to you. Well, I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, um, I was a kid that benefited greatly from the Y. And so when I think about the opportunity to uh, create that kind of environment for kids, um, that's something that really resonates with me. I, you know, I was a kid, uh, again, as I mentioned, that I, you know, I'd go to the Y uh, when I needed kind of a safe, comfortable space to be, uh, when I was just trying to figure things out. And, and uh, the Y was very accepting of that, and the adults that were very accepting of that. And so, you know, again, I think the opportunity to create that kind of experience for kids, a place that just feels like a safe and nurturing environment is uh, is important to me. I think when for many of us when we get into the why and, and myself included 
we get in and, you know, we, we put our capes on and we think we're going to go save the world one kid at a time. And, and that's a little bit what it feels like as you're uh, finding those kids that uh, may not be getting uh, the attention that they need at home or kids that just need a little bit of guidance uh, or kids that just need a safe space to be in. Um, and so, I, you know, I think my career really started that way. Uh, the position that I'm in now, I, I get uh, less of a chance to work with kids directly, um, although I will say that uh, we have a, a preschool here um, in my building. And if I ever need a, a good reality check about what I do uh, uh, or why I do what I do, I, I'll just you know take the uh, take the elevator down a, a couple of floors here, and I'll sit and I'll I'll read a Dr. Seuss book to those kids, or I'll have lunch with those kids, and uh, you want to talk about you know a, a good reminder of, of why I'm doing the work. Uh, that is certainly it. Um, so yeah, the the youth development side of what we do, I think, is is uh, something that's really really special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to ask you another question about that with regard to um, one of the one of the programs I know we do. But let me first get to the volunteer piece. Sure. Uh, one of the one of the things that you and I've talked about, and it was really as I was coming into my chairmanship, was your connection to other volunteers and that why that was important to you, why that was meaningful to you. And I don't know that I really understood until we talked about that maybe a couple three years ago that 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 was that important to you. Can you say more about that? Why why is working with volunteers meaningful to you? Well, I, I think at least there's a number of reasons. I think one of those is, you know, as I mentioned, we uh, when we get into the why, or most of us do early on, it's about service to, to, to youth, to kids. Uh, I think as as uh, our jobs change a little bit, we're working less with kids, we're, we're working more with adults. And not that uh, adult volunteers need that kind of uh, nurturing that kids need, uh, but uh, I do believe, as Y directors, we have an ability uh, to make an impact on others, including volunteers, by helping folks uh, make uh, meaningful connections within their community, by helping folks uh, potentially develop leadership skills. Uh, so I think that's one piece of it. I, I think another piece is I am overwhelmed by the amount of, of time, talent, and treasure that volunteers uh, give to our organization. And um, I mean, truly, it's uh, you know, at the end of the day, I get paid for this, but but I have um, fortunate that in every Y I've ever been in, I've, I've had dozens and dozens and dozens and sometimes hundreds of volunteers that have rallied around the cause, whatever the cause may be. If it's a, um, an adventure guides program or a sports program or a fundraising campaign. And, uh, you know, folks are, are using their discretionary time to support our organization and, and the work that we're doing. And then I think by extension to, to support me directly. And, uh, there's something that feels really, really good about that. Um, one of the other things I'm sure I've mentioned to you is just the when you get community leaders in the room and uh, and, and the volunteers that I've I've had the opportunity to work with and the pleasure of working with have really been that they've been community leaders. But when you get community leaders in the room and you talk about an issue that needs to be solved or you talk about uh, an opportunity that we have for service and uh, uh, folks at that level uh, with that amount of uh, passion um, begin to uh, problem solve and and um, create uh, solutions and ideas, uh, something really magical happens. And so to be at the table for that for me has been has been really exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you kind of, I guess, um, coming from what you just said earlier about the volunteer connection, one of the things for me, my experience of working with you that helped make it meaningful was, yeah, I think you're right. We were we were following you. We were. We had bought into your vision. We wanted to execute that. And, you know, the other thing is, I think, at least I can speak for myself, 
you taught me how to how to feel like I was meaningfully connecting to and supporting and impacting the community through the WISE programming, which it took me a few years to really understand that programming and what it was really doing to impact the community. But I think, I guess that's what I'm picking up on is that connection. You, you taught that to me, and I know I wasn't the only one, but you taught us to be able to understand what the YMC was doing in, in our own community and how we were connected to that. And I don't know if you do that purposefully, if that just kind of comes along or if you're aware of it, uh, but that was a, a powerful reason that I stayed as long as I have as a board member. Well, thanks for that. I I, I think that as Y directors, that's that's what we hope to do. We hope that folks understand uh, why we need them and and how they support whatever that need is. And and if I'm not doing a good job of articulating that, and then uh, ultimately uh, motivating and inspiring uh, folks to follow that lead and to plug in and to help and to engage, then uh, I'm probably not doing my job very well. Um, because at the end of the day, any nonprofit, YMCA included, uh, you know, we have limited resources. And so when we can get great folks around the table to help us, to help move the vision forward, to help find gaps in service, to help serve more people, you know, I think that's when the really good work happens. You know, one of the things that I have been learning in the research that I've been doing around meaning and work and identity is that there is a, a contingent of people out there that I've met along the way in the research that attaches a great deal of meaning to doing work with an organization that feel that they feel really aligns with their value system and allows them to feel like they're even extending their reach because they're connected to that organization. And I would tell you that that's probably how I have been feeling as a volunteer, as a board member of the YMCA, is that when you align yourself with, with a cause that you can really relate to that that fits with your value system, that allows you to feel like, wow, this, this allows me to reach in the community in a bigger way than I could do on my own that it's it's incredibly meaningful. And I would tell you that was probably my connection to it. Um, but I'd love to hear you say a bit more about how you're connected to the YMCA's mission and its programs. Well, I, before I do that, I, I love to, to hear you as a volunteer that I had the chance to work with use the word cause. Uh, because, you know, we talked earlier about uh, the fact that many folks don't understand who we are as an organization and that, that you, uh, you know, early on maybe didn't have a good sense. And, and that's what we are. We're a cause-driven organization. So even just to hear that word uh, excites me a little bit. It means that I think organizationally we're getting a little better about folks understanding uh, who we are and, and uh, what it is that we hope to accomplish. Um, as it relates to um, kind of, um, you know, value alignment uh, with the organization, um, you know, I, I think I have always been hardwired as someone who wants to help others. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that I always thought I would teach and coach, and, and that, was about, that was about helping kids learn. That was about, you know, developing young athletes. It was about giving back to the community. Um, I was never uh, one of these guys that, um, that really thought uh, I'm going to go into the for-profit business world. Uh, now, you know, as I've gotten, um, uh, you know, into my adult years, has the thought ever crossed my mind? Well, certainly it has. I think we all, um, you know, kind of look to see what's out there from time to time. But, but at the end of the day, I always remember uh, why I do what I do and uh, and how much fulfillment and enjoyment I get out of the work. Uh, so for me, it was. Um, I think I was always hardwired to to serve uh, in some way. Um, and and here at the Y, I think the Y has given me an opportunity uh, to do that. And um, the groups that I serve or have served and the communities that I've served have changed over the years, whether it be just because of of uh, um, moves from city to city or, or, or a neighborhood to neighborhood, or if it's just that the nature of my work has changed, uh, meaning that 
You know, there was a time that I was supervising kids directly, and then there was a time that I was supervising program directors that were supervising kids, and now I'm supervising executive directors that supervise program directors that supervise kids. But in every instance, I've had a group of of people, whether it be the the children or the program directors or the executive directors and volunteers that have become my primary focus. And I think when I'm getting the work right, I am, I'm equipping those folks and I'm inspiring those folks and I'm motivating those folks and I get great enjoyment out of that. Okay, so I, I think about two words when I hear you talk about that. And there are two different words that are usually used in, in different, different ways. However, I think they might mean the same thing. Uh, those two words are impact and mattering. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I hear you saying is that you get to have a, a, a cascading impact through your efforts that kind of reverberates across various populations into the community. Is that right? Is that a fair way of saying it? Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's accurate. Okay. The other thing that I think about, and it's one of those, you know, I'm one of those weird, weird people that loves to watch movies that kind of make me cry, right? This just, I'm, I'm a girl, what can I say? You know, give me a break. <laughs> but I remember Pearl Harbor and Ben Affleck's character talks about, he, he's in there, he's like, just get me into a plane. I got to get into a plane. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the English people across the, the, the waters are asking me, why do you do this stuff? Why are you so crazy about this? And he says, because I want to matter. Hmm. Right. Yep. And so when when I hear you talk about that, I don't know if you if that is part if that's on your wavelength if that's you know part of how you see it. You said you're you're wired to serve. I think that's a beautiful way to talk about it. Um, but this this notion of you know mattering, making a difference. What I hear so often when I talk to people about their work is, if they're really feeling fulfilled, they do talk about I feel like I matter. I make a difference at work. If they're feeling like they're maybe not enjoying their work so much, what I'm I often hear is I don't feel like I matter. Right. So what I'm hearing from you is that most of the time, most days, you get to matter. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the the challenge for for us, uh, or for me, well, I'll just speak for myself. I think the challenge for me from time to time is remembering that, remembering that the work that I'm doing does matter. And, and I think, you know, just like in any industry, um, you know, we we get caught up sometimes in the minutia or just uh, you know, kind of the day to day paper pushing uh, that is necessary in any job. And uh, again, uh, occasionally, I think we need reminders. Um, at least you may remember this because you know we were working together in East Dallas uh, prior to me coming to Fort Worth, and and as I I was transitioning out of that job and and uh, about to leave to come to this one. There was a, a bit of a you know a gathering, kind of a going away gathering, and and I remember you know telling the group that any time a director uh, goes to a community, uh, we go to that community just hoping that we make a difference, hoping that we leave that community a little bit better than we found it. And so uh, I think one of the things that uh, that I'm pleased about now is is I feel like that the communities that I have moved on from as I've taken on new opportunities in the Y, that the work that I did there has allowed uh, those Ys and those communities to continue to grow and evolve and thrive. And and so this idea of mattering, that uh, hopefully I really did matter to the point that it had some sort of you know long-lasting effect in that community. Well, I think there's there's we can say a resounding yes to that, and I can also tell you that um, those of us who had the opportunity to work with you still miss you and are glad you were part of our journey, part of our path, and we still tell fond stories about you in your absence and and laugh, you know, with you. I hope you've you've been able to capture that across the way over there in Fort Worth, but 
your skill spoken of extremely well and, and missed. So well, I think so. Well, just to be so. clear, did you say laugh, uh, laugh with me or laugh I about said me? laugh I just with. Make sure I'm now, clear on what it now, is you're saying. Although I do have some really wonderful, fond stories that I could tell, but I won't just because I respect you and you're my dear friend. Well, thank um, you. I that. won't. I won't tell any good stories, but um, but one thing I, I do want to say about what you said earlier about you know being able to needing to remember sometimes you know the things that are really great about our work because we get we get bogged down in the minutia of the day to day sometimes. Uh, one of the things that I have really enjoyed about the research that I've been doing is um, I went and interviewed those 115 men and women across the various 20 professions, and I've finished the, the uh, interviews, have some results, have been going back and having conversations with those people about my results. And one of the things that they've been telling me somewhat consistently, especially if they're people who have been enjoying their work, is just the very notion of having that first conversation they had with me during the interview where I asked them to tell me, you know, what's, what do you find meaningful about your work? Um, and then also, what don't you find meaningful? Several of the folks who told me that they were really enjoying their work, that they, they found it fulfilling, said that when I went back and read my transcript, I realized just how much I have to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that and reading that and experiencing that gave me a greater sense of gratitude about my work that brought a level of self-awareness and consciousness to my work that I didn't have before. So I'm telling you that because I really think what you're saying is so important is that every once in a while getting a, an intervention or some way to kind of recalibrate our connection to our work is so important because even if we have a great job, sometimes we forget that. And I think it's important to remember that. So I love that point, Derek. Um, I appreciate that. I think it's such an important part of the work that I get to do as a researcher. And so much of what I'm trying to do on the show is to connect back to some of those principles. And you illustrated that perfectly for me. So no charge, I hope, right? (laughs) No charge. (laughs) That's a bonus. Right. Um, All right. Well, um, anything else you can tell us? We've got a couple more minutes before break. Anything else you can tell us about the work that you you really find meaningful or that, that is important to you? Yeah, I think one of the things that I have also um, really enjoyed is uh, getting to know, as I said, community leaders, uh, you know, and and uh, I, I talked a little bit about volunteers and getting those folks around the table. But um, I, I think one of the things that also given me some fulfillment is is being the face of an organization in a community and, uh, and really connecting not only with uh, my key volunteers, but oftentimes with city leadership, with school administrators, et cetera. And uh, I'll give a, a quick example of that. Um, the mayor in Fort Worth, uh, uh, Mayor Price, Betsy Price, uh, is someone who, who I really admire quite a bit. And she's not someone that I necessarily have a close relationship with, but, uh, but someone that uh, we've connected with a little bit on a few different events, et cetera. And it's gotten to the point that when I see, uh, when I see Mayor Price out and about, you know, I'll, I'll get a hug. She'll know me my name. I mean, it, it, there, there's some level of connection there. And I think there's a little bit of, uh, um, I don't want to speak for her, but I'll speak for myself, but I, I hope that there's a little bit of mutual respect that we recognize that at the end of the day, we're we're trying to do the same work, that we're just trying to make communities better communities. And, and I think uh, to know that uh, you get to move in those circles with folks that have, uh, have influence and folks that have vision for greatness for those communities, um, there's something really special about that. So I found that in East Dallas as well uh, in working with, uh, you know, with our city council members that were connected to uh, our board of management, with working with uh, uh, local school administrators, principals, and others, um, with state representatives that, uh, that worked with us. Uh, there at the Y, some um, you know, even some um, U.S. representatives that uh, worked with us there at our Y. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 there's something I think that uh, that feels good about that, about kind of being at the table with uh, some of the big shots, if you will, that are helping move communities forward. 
Mm-hmm. What a great point, Derek, and I'm glad you brought that up because I do think being able to work with smart, interesting, capable people is, I mean, I know for me too, that's part of the reason I wanted to be on the whiteboard. So great point, great way to, for us to be able to, to take a moment here before our break. Uh, we've been on the air with Derek Smith, VP of Operations at the YMC of Metropolitan Fort Worth. We'll take a short break. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Divorce leaves behind some lasting scars. Besides the emotional impact of starting over, keeping your family in order, co-parenting, and the general confusion that comes with it, there are also financial impacts, slow and grueling legal processes, and lack of support and resources to turn to. Tune in to Divorce Sucks, a smart girl's guide to doing it better, with host Laura Maiola. We'll bring you the tools to sort it all out the right way. Every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. We're here with Derek Smith. He is the VP of Operations of the YMC at Metropolitan Fort Worth here in Texas. We've been talking about his connection to his work, and one of the things that I wanted him to talk about, because I know that this is one of the things that he loves to do, is part of his, his job is storytelling. You get to tell stories. What a concept. You get paid to tell stories, Derek Smith. How how much of a ripoff is that for the rest of us? <laughs> Just <laughs> So tell me about that, that you get to tell stories. So first, why do you like that, and why does it matter? Well, I, I think, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I think oftentimes folks don't have a good sense of, uh, of what the why does and the impact that we have. And so uh, that is one of my roles, is to help educate folks. And, and uh, it's one thing to do that through, um, through um, uh, you know, charts and graphs and data. Uh, I will tell you that that's not the kind of thing that will uh, inspire folks to support your organization. And so, uh, you know, we tend to do that through storytelling. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, you know, the... 
even the idea of storytelling, that's one of the things that we try to equip volunteers to do is to tell the stories of the why and not not things that are, you know, anecdotal in nature, but things that uh, are representative of uh, the bigger impact um, that we're having. And so uh, we use those stories to uh, to make it real for people to under so, so that volunteers and prospective donors and uh, and others uh, understand, again, the impact that we're having and, and why their support is important to our organization. Okay, and so that brings us to where I know both of our YMCs are at today, and that's the, the, the annual campaign. Um, and I can tell you from my own experience raising dollars for that campaign, a lot of people just don't really understand that. And I know both of us have used that wonderful storytelling uh, ability and, and love in that, in that campaign. I think probably it makes sense for us to say, what is the annual campaign? Why do we do the annual campaign? Well, YMCA's across the country will do an annual campaign each year, and, and really the purpose of the campaign is is twofold. Uh, I think one is to just raise awareness about the why and what we do. Uh, the other is to raise dollars, and and that is really about helping us uh, expand our scope of service. Um, you know, the, the YMCA has a couple of different revenue streams. You know, one of those uh, clearly is just our membership dues uh, for folks that come and, and exercise in our facilities or program fees for uh, those who are participating in some sort of program. But uh, the reason that we raise those dollars is to help those who otherwise couldn't afford to participate in YMCA programming. It is our it is our stance that we will turn no one away due to inability to pay. So uh, depending on the community that we're working in, the uh, the programs that we're offering, the gaps in service that we see, uh, we really need those dollars to help folks get to the why. Um, whether it be to, to help a kid uh, learn sportsmanship through playing youth sports for the first time or a child learn to swim uh, because they don't have access to, uh, to swim lessons, that's how we use those dollars. And every why does it every year. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you right now here on the East Dallas side, we're, we're, we're trying to raise $200,000 here, and I think we're well over halfway to, to doing that, which is great. But I can say for me personally, one of the things that I love that that program does is it does fund the Make a Splash program. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't speak to it nearly as eloquently as you can. Will you, will you describe for us what the Make a Splash program is? Well, you know, what we found is uh, is when we began to look at some of the data, that we found out that minority kids were more likely to drown than their Anglo counterparts, uh, oftentimes because they just didn't learn how to swim. And, and the reason that they don't learn how to swim sometimes has to do with a general fear of water in the household, that mom and dad never learned how to swim. And as a result, they never put their kids, um, you know, in the pool. They never put their kids in swim lessons. And uh, there's a general fear of the water. And so sometimes kids will find themselves around water or their, uh, you know, their buddies will uh, take them uh, to a house with a pool or take them out to the lake and they'll find themselves in trouble. So really the spirit of any of these programs, uh, Make a Splash, Urban Swim programs, uh, some of the other programs the Y does is really to, to help remove that fear of water. And it's not necessarily uh, stroke development as you might get in a, in a true competitive uh, swim class. It's really more about how to save yourself if you find yourself in a body of water and, and find yourself in trouble. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, we were doing that work, Elise, in, uh, in East Dallas, and um, the delivery system for that is that we would actually go into apartment complexes, and we would uh, take over their pools, and, and lifeguards would go and kind of go door-to-door and knock on the doors and, and get kids to come down and learn to swim there in their apartment complex pool. So we were removing any sort of transportation barriers those kids might have. Uh, we were doing it there in, in kind of a comfortable, safe space for them because this is their, their home. Um, and we were removing the cost because, uh, you know, kids wouldn't have to pay anything. Oftentimes those programs are, are free or significantly reduced in cost, but most often free. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, we're doing the same thing here or a very similar program here 
uh, in Tarrant County. Uh, up through last year, uh, Tarrant County had the second, second highest rate of, um, of uh, child, child drowning in uh, the state of Texas. Uh, Tarrant County did. And so that is, we've, we've gotten a little better. I think uh, we're now in the, you know, maybe in the third spot, but uh, Tarrant County has a very similar issue. So we're, we're doing some outreach aquatics um, here as well through a couple of our branches and uh, you know, just finding ways to get more kids in the water and get them safe in and around the water. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I remember from seeing the video on the Make a Splash program that we did here in East Dallas that I just love, and the people that are part of it talk about this too, is so you go out there, you start this program, you're getting kids used to the water, and you know, you've been knocking on doors to get kids to come out, and some of them are reluctant, don't really know what the program is, and then slowly over time, some of those doors start to open, and they kind of maybe come to maybe the edge of the pool and they look over the gate and then maybe before you know it they're inside the gate sitting down waiting patiently maybe wondering what this might be and I love the idea of how kids are lured because they do want to be in the water they want to be able to enjoy the water and I love how the YMCA comes as you say removes all those barriers and makes all that happen and those kids walk away with that confidence to understand that if I were to fall in the water I know how to get to the edge yeah. And I, I love that about that program. I absolutely love it. And it's just one of the many programs that the YMCA does that I think are so impactful. Um, what else? What other programs do, do you really love about what the YMCA does? Well, I think, you know, clearly any of the, the Make a Splash or Urban Swim kind of programs are, are really special to us. Uh, one of the programs that we're running over here in Fort Worth that uh, that makes me feel really good about the work that I'm doing, and many of them do, so this is just one example, but uh, we're running a preschool program here uh, in a collaboration with the Fort Worth Housing Authority in the Butler Housing Community, uh, which is uh, government housing uh, just out of downtown, just a couple miles out of downtown. And through a partnership with the Fort Worth Housing Authority, uh, we have opened to this center. It's called the Amaka Child Care Center. And, uh, you know, we're serving about 60 kids a day there. And most of those kids uh, are on either significant scholarship through the Y or they have some sort of third-party payer that is paying for their child care, uh, CCMS or, uh, or another funding source. And, um, you know, we are, we are offering affordable, um, high-quality child care to those kids. And we just don't know what they would get otherwise. Um, we're starting those kids uh, really as babies. Uh, you know, they can start there, uh, you know, as, as uh, I, gosh, I think we've, we've got them as early as six weeks that they're starting over at the center. And then uh, we will keep them there until the time that they go off to kindergarten, so really up through the age of five. Uh, but again, just, you know, we, we found... Um, we found a service gap. We found uh, a community that needed the YMCA. And so, you know, that's not a revenue center for us. That's not, uh, that's a, a little bit of a, an atypical program for us to go into a community like that. But there was a need there. And so the Y is happy to, to step up and say yes and to serve that community as well. That's amazing. And I, I know there's just, you're right, there's a million different things we could say about the programs and the partnerships. That was another thing that, I, that I've been enjoying about being part of the YMC board is just the partnerships that we have in the community. Uh, but one of the other things that you talked about that you, that you listed on the meaningful list, the like list, is the actual fundraising. Um, a lot of people don't like to fundraise, Derek, but you say you do. What, what is it about fundraising that you like? Well, I think part of it is is uh, is a little bit like this conversation. You know, we, we've we've been on uh, on the phone here now for uh, for about fifty minutes, and and I have uh, I will never run out of why stories. So we could go another uh, another several <laughs> hours, and I would continue to talk about the work that we're doing. 
So I think that's one of the pieces I really uh, love about the opportunity to fundraise is just to tell folks what we're doing and, and ask folks to support us in doing that work. Uh, when, when we're telling people that we are teaching kids how to swim because otherwise they're not going to learn, that we're going to teach life skills to these kids so they're safe around the water, that's an easy story to tell, and it's easy to ask somebody for help. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of enjoyment that I get out of that. Um, I think the other thing that I really like about the fundraising aspect is rallying folks around a cause. And you talked about that earlier with your, your board involvement. Um, you know, the idea, you mentioned, you know, $200,000 plus that you guys will raise in East Dallas. And, and uh, we actually have finished our campaign over here. We do ours on a little different schedule. But we had a $220,000 goal uh, this year at, at my home branch here uh, downtown as well. And, you know, rallying folks around a cause, um, Maybe it's that idea of teamwork that I picked up so early at the Y as a youth basketball player or a youth t-ball player. I, I don't know where that comes from, but uh, there's something that I really enjoy about that, about uh, knowing that we're going to rally around this cause, we're going to raise raise this money, and then at the end of the day, we're going to go out and spend it uh, in a way that's going to have impact in our community. I think there's just something really special about that. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that vantage point, rallying around a cause, but you're right. When I think about those campaigns that I've been part of, the ones that I've loved the most, is that feeling that we are rallying together as a group, as a team around a cause. I hadn't put that, I hadn't made that connection before. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, along those lines, Derek, you know, you know, one of the things that I'm very fascinated with as a researcher is that that wonderful intimate connection between meaning and work, which is what we've been talking about, and and identity or how we think about ourselves. And so what I'm curious about for you is, um, is there any aspect of your work that informs how you think about yourself? Or, or where's Derek in his work? I guess that's maybe what I want to also find out. Yeah, you know, it, it's been interesting how that's evolved over the years. I, I think there was probably a time that I, I you know, as a young man, that I, uh, I probably needed the why a little bit to, to help um, kind of frame who I was going to be. And uh, there were probably moments that the why, you know, kind of kept me uh, kept me honest, if you will, um, as, I, as I was growing up. Uh, you know, I think um, now, I, I, I would suspect, and I, I may be wrong in this, but I would suspect that uh, most people uh, have some sort of inclination to give back or to contribute in some way. And, and people will scratch that itch in a number of ways, uh, some through volunteerism opportunities, uh, some through charitable giving. I think for me, I've just been fortunate in the fact that I've found a way to do that, you know, kind of as, as, uh, as my job, is what I do all day, every day. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I, I feel like I'm hardwired to serve. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've found an opportunity to do that and, and uh, been given uh, lots of opportunities for growth within the organization. And so, uh, you know, maybe it's a chicken or egg conversation. It, you know, did, did the why help inform who I am or was this just who I was and I found an organization that helped support that? I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's, it's been an incredibly good fit. Mm. You know, what I would say listening to you is that I, I do think that you joined an organization that what I call resonates with your value system, certainly. And But I also say at the same time, I think that you have been expressing your values and who you are through the work that you do, and that's the impact piece. And so what I think probably, if I think about how you've been describing this, according to the research that I've been doing, I would I would say that you have been exhibiting what I call authentically impacting society. That's a mode of engagement that is high level of fulfillment, high level of engagement. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's, it really does work oftentimes from a values standpoint. Um, and that's what I'm hearing in your work. I don't know if that resonates at all with you, but that's kind of how I'm seeing it. 
Well, I, I don't know that I would have said it so eloquently. I think for me, I just know that I don't have any trouble getting out of bed and coming to work every day. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and at the end of the day, I know I've done good work. And even if there's work still left to be, you know, still left on my desk, I know that the next day I'm going to get up and I'm going to tackle it again, all in service to uh, to trying to you know strengthen the community. So. Um, yeah, whatever that's called, Elise. It's I'll tell you that it's something that that um, you know that that I enjoy and I found great fulfillment out of it. Well, I tell you, Derek, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. I knew you would be a great guest. I appreciate you being here and sharing your experience, your personal connection to the work in a real way. I want so much my guests to be real, and you have been real, so I appreciate that. Um, a little bit about what's coming up next week. Um, we're going to be hearing from a completely different perspective than what we've been hearing from from Derek's. So Derek has navigated a long and successful career within the YMCA and found meaning in being able to positively impact kids, community volunteers, raise raise money, all those good things. Next week, we're going to hear from two middle school girls who are going to talk about what they want to be when they grow up. Uh, and I think about for those of us who probably have very distinct memories of that, what did we want to be when we grow up? Um, that might conjure fantastic, wonderful, warm memories or maybe some regret that we didn't actually do that. Um, I think it's going to be a wonderful conversation, and it's always wonderful to hear from the mouth of babes, if you will. And so that is what we'll hear from next week. It will be really all about what do these girl, two girls each want to do when they grow up. Uh, one is, interestingly, a chef. The other one is the first African-American girl to be president of the United States. So I think this is going to be a, a pretty fun show. So I hope you'll tune in, listen, and perhaps reminisce a bit about your own early earnings. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Come back and join us for the dialogue next week. And remember, work is at, le- at least one-third of our life. So let's work on purpose. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.